Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jesse DePlanis. I'm coming to Only Believe Ministries once again there in Botkins, Ohio. Peter and Phyllis, I'm looking forward to see you guys. I'll be there Saturday, January the 2nd at 6.30 p.m. and then Sunday, January the 3rd at 10 a.m. Bring a friend, share a miracle. We always start our year out right there at Only Believe Ministries. Why? Because isn't that wonderful to have that kind of name? 
only believe. I'll see you Saturday, January 2nd at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday, January 3rd at 10 a.m. Bring a friend, share a miracle. We're going to have a wonderful time. 2021 is coming, and it's about time we start having a great time. See you there. Hey, OBM family. It's that time of year again. It's our candlelight Christmas Eve service, and we want your family to join ours. 6.30 p.m. on December 24th. We're going to be remembering the beautiful birth of Christ. And I can't think of a better time to invite somebody that doesn't know Jesus so we can share the gift of Christ. Everybody needs a Savior. I'll see you then. Well, there I am. I'm on now. Well, welcome, everybody. <laughs> I'm so glad that you guys are here. Even, you know, we thought it was going to be really snowy out and, and icy and all this, and it turned out great. We're all able to come to church and enjoy church tonight, right? Amen. All right. Is there anyone here that is a first-time guest? If you are, we'd like to welcome you. We're excited that you're here. And if you would look in the pew in front of you, in the back of the pew, uh, just look, and, and there's a little long card like this, and just fill that out and drop it off at the Welcome Center. We would really appreciate you doing that for us. And I don't want to forget the live streamers out there. We're glad that you live streamers are watching and you're participating, but I know you're home in your jammies with a good hot cup of coffee. I know it. <laughs> I could see you. No, not really. So, so hopefully you'll be able to get to church Sunday, right? All right, because we miss you guys. We really do. Well, I've got a couple little announcements. You know, uh, if you've looked at the Welcome Center out there, there's a prayer tree right in the middle of the Welcome Center. So if you want and you need prayer for anything, fill out one of those little things that's on there, and they'll hang it on that tree, and we're going to have a big prayer thing going on in January, and we're going to pray for all of your prayer requests. All right? So it's a good thing. And then we're going to have, don't forget the small groups. In January, we have six small groups coming up. And uh, it's just a great way to get to meet other people in your church. And, you know, you, you uh, have that same maybe connection with them because you're going through the same thing they're going through. So this is a good time to join one of those groups. And uh, just uh, go to our website or out to the Welcome Center and just sign up for one of those groups, okay? All righty, get connected with people. Get to know people. Let them get to know you. Well, I guess we're all ready to worship and get this cold off of us and get our bones moving <laughs> and praise the Lord.
on, church. Let's call upon the name of the Lord tonight. Let's call upon the name of the Lord. Holy
you know, as the team was singing that, what a wonderful song, right? Show me your glory, Lord. Show me your glory. In wonder, in other words, in our incomprehensible mind, in our wander and surrender, surrender, relinquishing everything that we think, we bow down. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. But listen, let every burning heart be holy ground. That's a challenge for you and I. Because I'm sitting down there, I'm like, Lord, sanctify your church. Sanctify us, God. Burn out the shaft and let us be holy that you could show yourself to us, that you could reveal yourself to us and who you are and what you are and what your plan is for us. Over and over and over the angels cry holy. But if we don't sanctify ourselves and pursue who he is and what he's about, then the glory's not coming. Because God can't show up in the midst where there's iniquity. Church, this is a challenge. We need to look at our hearts. Our hearts can be burning. But if a burning heart doesn't propel you to repentance and to live a holy life, then what do we have? A heart that's on fire with no action? Today more than ever, today more than ever, ready ourselves. Check your hearts. Check your hearts and make sure that there's nothing between you and God. Because I'm going to tell you, I need his glory. You need his glory? I need him to come and sit. Sit in this place and rest upon us and deal with some things that need to be dealt with. Because I want to be changed. Changed. I don't want a burning heart that leaves here not changed. So let that be our prayer this week. Show us your glory, Lord. Sanctify me. Make my heart holy. You know, we've been preaching out of this series Pastor has on Sunday mornings. The series title is, And He Shall Be Called. And we talk about the scripture, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. The scripture speaks of who God is sending, who, his character, his nature. Wonderful. I mentioned a couple weeks during an offering that that was incomprehensible. In other words, if you could think it, that's not the way God's going to do it. Because that would make you and I God if we could think about it and create a wonder. But what he does is, in other words, Jesus is going to do it the way he wants. He rolls differently than you and I. But when he does, it causes you and I to stand in wonder and awe of who he is. Because we can't understand it. But the second part says that he's counselor. Do you know that he's a counselor in the area of your finance? Do we only use him as counselor in our life when we can't solve a problem? Or do we really consider 
that what is important to us, he wants to be a part of. See, it says in in Proverbs 2, 6, that it says wisdom and knowledge and understanding come from the Lord. They come from him. So if we ask him to be our counselor, that means that he advises, he gives wisdom to, and he devises a purpose. How many of you would like to have God devise a purpose with your money? You think it would be good? Yet we go to financial counselors all day long. Can you help me with my money? No offense, Rick. I know you deal with money. I'm not taking jobs away. But God is the best one, right? And God can make you more money than any man or financial advisor because there's no counsel like God's. But why is it that sometimes we trust him with everything else in our life except our wallet? See, when we put Christ in the position of wonderful counselor in our finances, it means that we trust him with our financial struggle, our financial problems, or even what he'll do with all of our money. Luke 16, 16:10 says, he who is faithful with little will be given much. Let's ask the counselor to come into our little so that we can be obedient and use our faith and do what we are asked to do and watch him give us much. Let's stop trying to do this financial thing on our own. And let's just say, Lord, you've got more wisdom than I got. You got more knowledge than I got. And in James, you said, if I ask for it, you'd give it. But we have to ask. And oftentimes we think we know better. So we just do what we think's right. So let's put God in our finances as counselor tonight. Amen. And let's let him talk to us about our money and ask what he thinks and give us the divine purpose for what he has for us. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we just come before you tonight. And God, I just thank you that you are a miraculous God. Father, I thank you that you don't do things man's way. You are the mighty God and the Prince of Peace. And Father, we just, according to your word, give our tithes and our offerings into you tonight. But God, we do it because we know that your ways are wise. Your word is true. And we're living by that word and we're being obedient to that word. But God, tonight we mix faith with our obedience. We mix faith, Father, and we know that that which you said, you will bring to pass. Now, Father, we ask you, Lord, right now, that everything tonight, God, that they give according to the word of God, Lord, that you would bless, honor, and God, that tonight you would rebuke the devourer for your sake, Father, as you said you would do for the tither. And we thank you, Lord, and we bring our tithes and offerings unto you tonight. And God, we thank you that you are wonderful counselor. Amen. Bring them into the ties, and then we're going to get into the word.
Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hallelujah. Somebody say the devil doesn't have a chance. You know, let him do what he will, but if we will stand fast, we shall see the salvation of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to John 16.33. We are doing a uh, series here on tribulation, persecution. They really are brothers. They're, they're of the same verbiage, the same purpose. And tribulation, if you will look at, a, we'll, I'll just quote a Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 14, 15, and 16, you will find that it comes to separate us from our faith. There is no good in tribulation unless we handle it the way that God wants us to. If we handle it the way that God wants us to, then what we do is we can come out refined. We can come out purified. And as the fire that comes to destroy us, God will use that fire to temper us. Okay, so you may discover God in a way that you've never known him in the midst of your hardest tribulation. Just example, if you are attacked by sickness and disease, that is an attack from the devil. We know that it's not God because God said, if there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint him with oil. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if he hath committed any sins, it shall be forgiven him. So we know that sickness is not from God. God is the answer or the resolve of the attack of sickness and disease. But if you will handle it by faith, then what will happen is you will discover that God is a healer. Amen? And so in those, these great conflicts of tribulation, trouble, depression, uh, anxiety, pressure, vexation, uh, all of these are other words for tribulation and persecution. What we understand is if we handle them God's way, there's a right way, there's a wrong way. Amen? You can do it your way or you can do it God's way. Either way, you're going to have either a victory for Satan or a victory for you. And so if you'd like to have it on your side, you need to do it God's way. Amen? All right, John 16, 33 says these words. These things I have spoken to you that are in me, that ye might have peace. In the world, somebody say the world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So if we stay abiding in Christ, in his word, walking in his way, what we discover, even in this world, where we are going to have tribulation. Get it in your mind. Get it in your heart. Get it prepared as a, a place that you are going to have to deal with. That is the tribulation that is in this world. But Jesus says, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And then uh, we read last week, Acts 14.22, where Paul said that he went about confirming the souls in the church and encouraging them and exhorting them that through much tribulation we must enter the kingdom of God. 
In other words, there is many battles. There is much conflict against the righteous and the unrighteous. All they that live godly, live by the way of God, live by the morals of God, live by the purity of God, live by the counsel of God, they shall suffer tribulation. But we're not afraid of tribulation. We are not afraid of tribulation. We aren't afraid of anything about it because we aren't afraid of its author. And the author of it is the devil. Now let's go to Revelations 2.9. Revelations 2.9. This is talking about Satan. And it says, God is speaking to the church in in Smyrna, and he says, I know thy works and tribulation. In other words, God knows the conflict that we are engaged in. God knows it. And he says, thy tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. In other words, God's saying, don't look at your circumstance, look at the truth of the scriptures. You may look like you're poor, but I declare that you're rich. And I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Now, if you look down in verse 13, it says this, I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name. You have not denied my faith, even in those days where Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. Now this man uh, was killed by or through tribulations of plans of the adversary. Remember that tribulations are plans and schemes of Satan. They are after your faith. They are after your relationship with God. They are not teaching agents. Come on, they are not preparatory agents. Could I get an amen? And so we have to make sure that we don't try to mix them, as many Christians do, and try to use bad things so that God is using them to prepare us for some ministry. No, the Holy Ghost will prepare you for ministry. Amen? But realize that Satan is seated against the church. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. You are the light of the world. You are the bride of Christ. You are the sons and daughters of God. You are what Christ accomplished at the cross. And so Satan seats or positions himself as an active authoritarian over or tries to rule over the church and his place or his tools are tribulations and persecutions. Could I get an amen? Yeah, hallelujah. So realize that Satan is positioned against the church. Realize that God is aware that we are in a battle a confrontation. But we have to realize that if tribulation comes, 
it cannot overcome those that are in Christ and deal with it the way that he has laid out for us to deal with it. And we're going to talk about some of those things. So let's begin to uh, look at some of the places that uh, tribulation comes from. But let's go to Galatians 5, 7 first. And uh, we're going to uh, get into it. We're going to find out a lot of places where tribulation comes from. It shouldn't come from lots of them, but it does because Satan uses people just like God uses people. Galatians 5, 7. Yea, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? The Bible declares that the devil is the hinderer. He is the hinderer. So Paul says, who did hinder you? You started out great, but all of a sudden, things started getting in your way. You lost your focus. You began to get weary. The Bible tells us that we are not to get weary. Amen? That we are not to grow weary in well-doing, but we are to continue doing what God asks us to do, and we will reap in due season. So here we see that there are going to be hindrances. Hindrances. Whether it's people or whether it's Satan, don't look at the person, look beyond the person and see who is using them as a puppet. Amen? Remember, Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because Peter started desiring the things of the world and not the things of God. And God's will must always triumph or trump anything that we are involved in. Amen? All right. So we see that who did hinder you that you would disobey the truth. What does disobedience do? Disobedience is simply the brother of unbelief. Come on. God told Adam and Eve, don't eat of that tree. What did they do? They disobeyed. Why did they disobey? Because they did not believe they would die. Surprise, surprise, they died. Amen. And so we got to make sure that we don't allow these tribulations to cause us to become disobedient to God's purpose, His will, His plan, our faith in Him, loving the brethren, responding rightly, doing what God has commanded us to do. It, is, it simply means that we live out of our spirit instead of out of our carnal nature or our senses. All right, let's go to uh, Romans 15.22. Romans 15.22. Hallelujah. Once you begin to learn who your adversary is, you can withstand him. You can resist him. Romans 15, 22. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming unto you. Now, who do you think that would hinder Paul's mission? The devil. Absolutely. In fact, he brought him into the place that he was hungry, he was naked, he despaired of life. 
And so he was cast into the sea. He was, he was left for dead. So all of these were troubles, tribulations, but none of them were authored by God. It was the devil sent to buffet him, to carry out a plan against Paul's life. So here it says, Paul said, I wanted to come to you, but I was much hindered. It didn't say Paul caved in. It says that he was much hindered. And then in Romans 1, uh, let me see, what is it? Romans 1, 13, it says this. Now, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was not let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Do you know that tribulation comes to cause you to give up, to think that it's impossible. But Paul said, I would have come to you many times. I purposed to go back at it. In other words, tribulation kept coming, buffeting Paul, pushing him back, but Paul kept pursuing the purpose to be fruitful to a people. Tribulation can cause you and I to become very unfruitful. Some of us in this sanctuary, in this congregation, used to be active in the kingdom of God, using our gift, pursuing the purpose, doing everything at all costs, and now we are about as immobile as a wart on somebody's backside. We have given up, and all we've done is take root in our complacency. You didn't get there by God. You got there because of pressure. And instead of picking up your roots and moving on, you set them down at a place that you could be comfortable. What if every person in the body of Christ did what they were called to do? You're right, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But since Christians get weary, discouraged, disappointed, oppressed, vexed, they just give up. And wherever they are, when that battle, that pressure, that oppression, that vexation leaves them, that's where they take up habitation. Well, it's time to get up, shake yourself, and get back into the work of the kingdom. Amen. Well, how many times? I don't know, Paul purpose many times. Keep getting up. Don't overcome because you have trouble. Trouble is a good sign that you're doing something right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good preaching, Pastor. All right. Let's go to uh, uh, Thessalonians 2.18. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians 2.18. So we as Christians, well, well, let me say this. For the most part, Christians are byproducts of the tribulation that they have submitted to, succumbed to, or came through. Yeah. 
2.18, 1 Thessalonians. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, and even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Understand that God does not change. And understand that it's impossible for Satan to change. He is the hinderer. God never does. God never will. Satan is behind every hindering place in our life. God doesn't reveal something that he doesn't want us to possess. Amen? God doesn't reveal us something that he doesn't want us to prepare for and enter into. And so we see here that Paul brands Satan, remember how Paul was hindered to, from coming to them once and twice in Romans? And we realize that Paul was hindered and it was Satan's plans and purposes principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and rulers in heavenly places that had been assigned to him to keep him accomplishing what God had called him to do. We talked last week how subtle tribulation is. You have to watch it. You have to be aware of it. You've got to be mindful of it because it will come. Hallelujah. All right, so... We want to look at where tribulation comes from. This is an eye-opening message. Turn to Deuteronomy 4.24. Deuteronomy 4.24. Do, 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 run to me, run, run, run. All right. Oh, I'm sorry, 4. Deuteronomy 4. And verse 24. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. In other words, God is a God of judgment. He is a God of purity. He is a God of zeal. But he's also jealous. He doesn't share his glory with anybody or anything. When thou shalt beget children, children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land, really points to familiarity, and shall corrupt yourself. This is the byproduct of taking root where a battle with Satan left you. I'll, I'll say that again. Where you are right now, if it is the cause of tribulation, trouble, or persecution, or pressure, and you have sat there, you are not being transformed into the image of God. The old man is beginning to take its reigniting or being revived into your life and you are going to begin to take on the old nature because the new nature is what brought you pressure. Yeah. And then it says, and make a graven images and the likeness 
of anything, and ye shall do evil in the sight of God, the Lord, the Lord thy God, to provoke him to anger. You ever notice how Christians start out giving it all and then end up trying to get it all? There's a reason. They're building idols. And it says, I call heaven and earth to witness again you this day that ye shall, that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto you go over Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations. Ye shall be left in number among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. And there ye shall serve gods, that were the work of men's hands, wood, stone, which neither see nor hear, nor eat nor smell. But if from thence... Thou shalt seek the Lord thy God. Thou shalt find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all thy soul. When thou art in what? Tribulation. And all these things are come upon thee. In other words, tribulation doesn't just come for a moment. It comes to create a lifestyle. Deal with it rightly. And it says, And all these things will come upon thee even in the latter days if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shall be obedient unto his voice. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, nor destroy thee, nor forget the covenant that he made with his fathers that he swore unto thy fathers. For ask now of the days that are past which were before thee since the day that the Lord created man upon the earth and asked from the one side of heaven unto the other side whither there hath been any such thing as this great thing is or hath been heard like it. Did ever a people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of a fire as thou hast heard or hath God essayed to go and to take him a nation from the midst of another nation by temptations, by signs, and by wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by the outstretched arm, by a great tares, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before you. So here we see that, number one, who brought tribulation to their life? Their self. Their self. It started with everyday negligence. Forgetting that their children were to be taught in the ways of God. And then their children's children. And because they did not respond to their children the way that God had spoke to them to respond. We have a whole generation just like it now. Half the kids have never had their rear end worn. Oh, I just don't believe in beating. Well, that declares to me you have no understanding and you're not as bright as the weakest light bulb on a Christmas tree. God's smarter than you. And he said that the rod would drive the soul of a child from hell. But you think you're smarter than God. 
Well, you have a whole generation that has no respect for any type of authority, and half the time they're rejecting you, they're degrading you, they're demeaning you, they're cussing you, and you are too afraid to raise up a hand to deliver them from hell. That means you love your determination of peace more than you love the soul of your child. And somebody's got to preach it. And somebody's got to live it. Amen? And so we realize that just the everyday life, neglecting what God told us to do, opens the door for disobedience. And disobedience invites tribulation. The thing of it is, it also dis engages God to bring us through it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, here we see that it was self-induced. Self-induced. Can you imagine bringing on your own trouble? You reject God's ways and wonder why you are the way you are. It's evil in God's eyes and in his sight. Oh, let's think of this. People all the time, we are in a financial crisis in America in homes. Why are we in financial crisis? Because of the lust of the flesh, a lack of temperance. We charge, charge, charge. When we don't have, we don't have. Because we have to keep up with the Joneses. We have to be better. We have to do this. We have to do that. You know what? It wouldn't be a shame to look at your children and say, we're not having Christmas years this year because we don't have no money. Oh, it would break their hearts. Well, lick their little head like a dog would a puppy, and they'll get over it. And some of you are saying, how dare you say that? Well, how dare you throw yourself in debt that they're never going to see an end to so that you can just have a good day? I'm not trying to tell you not to have Christmas for your children, but I'm telling you, you can't afford it, then stop it. Buy a roll of tape, rubber bands, and paper, and some scissors, and let them use their brain. Besides their thumbs, you might be amazed after you put band-aids on their fingers and all that because they don't know how to do half of what they're supposed to do. I remember when I was a kid, the best thing about Christmas was the empty box. Yeah, you could take it out in the yard and you could pull each other all around the snow yard and you could do all that kind of stuff and man, it was great. Then you could take it and you could start a fire and melt down bleach bottles and make spears with uh, hard plastic tips. Thank God they never hit your brother and sisters, but uh, they were weapons. <laughs> How about a lack of self-control? How about uncontrolled lust? Uncontrolled lust. If you think sweeping something under the rug is ever going to bring you freedom? 
please, you got to wake up. This is the land of the living. Amen? And you're going to have to deal with things that are in your life. And if you don't deal with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the mind, the devil is going to get them, and that spirit will begin to work in the children of disobedience. And then another one that just amazes me that people fall into, a lack of faith. Let's just not say not a lack of faith, but a lack of using what you have. You know how many people don't speak to their mountains? but complain to their co-workers that aren't even saved? You know how many people don't speak to their storms but are going under and haven't even woken up and the boat is almost full? People don't use their faith. They don't start to use it. They don't stick to it. They just don't even bother with it. Folks, we are to live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, I know you say, oh, man, Pastor, you're railing us. I'm not railing you. I'm trying to wake you up. And realize the biggest enemy that you have is the guy or the lady in the mirror in the morning when you get up. That is your worst enemy. You've done more for your life to destroy it than the devil has ever done. Somebody says, I, I want a good marriage. Well, have you kissed your wife? Oh, no, we don't do that anymore. Well, then have a bad marriage. Do you fool around with your wife? Oh, well, well no, 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 we're not, we're not teenagers. Well, then have a cold marriage. Have a date night? Oh, no, we don't do that. We, we just stay home and cuddle and get bored with each other. One day somebody's going to talk in her ear and she might not come home and sit with you. Listen, you have as good a marriage as you invest in it. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, you know, she's old and I'm old. Is that what Sarah said to Abraham and Abraham said to Sarah? Are you kidding Come on, wake up. David told Saul that I will let God deliver me from my tribulation. Don't deal with tribulation on your own. It's greater than you, more powerful you, and its author is smarter than you. That's why you deal with him on a scriptural basis so that you have wisdom that he doesn't understand. Amen? Amen? We want to make sure that we don't allow tribulation to come in through discord among the brothers. You ever had somebody talk like, like you know, you go up to somebody, oh, yeah, 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 I know so-and-so. Yeah, man, yeah, praise God, they're, they're a great brother. But you know why he does that. And then you start off on the negative trail. Your negative mouth thing, all you're doing is sowing discord. You're giving people information that their mind has to deal with. Just say something good. You can't say anything good. Just take another breath. We need to watch sowing division among the brothers. 
We need to just stop it. Amen? Another thing that will bring tribulation, he that maketh a lie. He that maketh a lie. There is, in Proverbs, I believe it's the sixth chapter, there are six things that God hates. Don't do them. Stay away from those things that God hates. Haggai 1, 8 through 11. You will bring tribulation when you don't honor the house of God over your own house. You'll put money into a bag that has holes in it. Another way that you can do is a lack of purity. We are not to become the servant of sin. And whosoever members you yield your members to, that's whose servant you're going to be. Live pure. Because I'm telling you, sin has no reward but in eternal hell. Yep. And then the last one about self is your mouth. He that will see good days and length, uh, good days and length of life will watch his mouth. Will watch his mouth. 1 Peter 3.10 Watch what you're saying about yourself and about others. God is so faithful, he said this to Israelites. What you say, I'll bring up on you. Now I know that half of you don't want what you say because you wouldn't last one day. You just praise God. Well, you know, boy, if anything happens, it'll happen to me. You know, nothing good ever happens. Every time I do something, you know, it just falls apart. Boy, we never have enough. Boy, I'm not going to make it. Well, you know, if the flu comes, I'll be the first person it catches. But then when somebody says to you, well, you're probably not going to make it, you say, watch your mouth and don't say that. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Watch your words. Your words got you saved because they are filled with faith. Your words will bring you through if you keep them filled with faith. Amen? All right. It comes from the world. Just being in the world, it comes. Jesus said, Father, keep them from this world. Just as I'm not in the world, they are not in the world. But when we walk through this world, tribulations are going to come. They are not our inheritance, they are not from our Father, and they are not for our good. And then earthly governments can cause havoc upon the church. You know why we are to pray for our leaders? And this may be why the church is losing its favor in governmental eyes. We are to pray for our leaders and kings and people in authority that we might live peaceable upon this earth. But when the body of Christ, the church, degrades and speaks against its leaders and expects God to do thing, anything other then the church 
has no understanding. If we don't pray, wickedness will enter in to our government, which it has and is a corrupt governmental system. On both sides, they stink to the bones. They have no interest in the gospel and no interest in the kingdom of God or our faith. But because we have not prayed, we are losing our peace because we've come up with cliches for its leaders and we think that's spirituality. No. The Bible says that Herod took Peter and James. Herod killed James and saw that it pleased all the people. That was the world. And he put Peter in a cell so that he could slay him later. The Bible said that governments are going, we are going to be delivered up unto governments in Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse 7 on down. And we're going to have to deal with those governments. But be of good courage. When you speak in the midst of those government oppressions, it'll not be you that speaketh, but the spirit of your father that speaketh in you. And then religion. Religion is one of the greatest enemies of the kingdom. It is man's mindset of what is right and wrong. It is man's concept of the reorder of that which is relevant, counting God not relevant. And it begins with philosophies and thoughts and insights. It erases hell. It erases judgment. It erases purity, morality. It does all of those things because it's man-made. You can find that in Matthew 12, 14, where the Pharisees thought to catch Jesus that they might destroy him. Destroy him. Religion hates people that live by faith. Then, hate to say this, family and friends. Family and friends. Matthew 10, 36, a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Then we know that in Mark the 8th chapter that Peter resisted and withstood Jesus' devotion to fulfill Scripture. I'm going to be going down to Jerusalem and I'm going to be delivered up to the Gentiles and they're going to crucify me. Peter said, oh, far be it from you, Jesus. Jesus said, you get behind me, Satan. In other words, the devil uses people to bring tribulation into action. Now, let's be wise about these things. We want to be wise of how to handle them. But we don't want to handle them by ourselves. And we don't want to create them by ourselves. Amen? You want to stop marriage problems? Agree with your spouse. 
I realized years ago that most fights that I had was not worth the damage that I caused. It really didn't matter what took place except that we could dwell together in respect and love one for another. And so we made this deal. You take care of the inside of the house, Phyllis. Whatever goes, I'll go. I'll take care of the outside of the house. And I do take care of the outside of the house with David's help and with Phyllis's opinion. What does it matter? It's all to perish. I don't know. What is worth the offense that your argument will cause? What is worth it? You won the fight, but you pierced her and put something in her heart that she will have to contend with that may cause her to get a hardened heart or to cause her to be hurt at you. What's it worth? What is the prize you're after? There is no prize in winning a fight and another person being hurt. There is none. So I have very little to say in my house. My answer to everything is whatever you want. Whatever you want. We, we bought a new dishwasher. Um, what, what color you want? Whatever you want. Well, 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 do you like this? You do like that? Well, do you like it? Yeah, I like it. Well, yeah, yeah, I like it. I was born, but I wasn't born yesterday. I see how she tries to entrap me. I am not going there. Because if anything goes wrong, it'll be, well, you chose this one. Nope. Not going to do it. Does it matter? The only thing I'm interested in is that the dishes come clean because I got to put them in there. And I'm kind of like, <laughs> I figure if you put them all in one big pile, the water hits them sometime. The other day she said, well, here's something on this fork. I said, well, it's got to be clean. It's been through the heat cycle two or three times. Just pick it off there and eat it. it it's got to be doneer than it was when it first went in there. Right? Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes come over and we'll go through our silverware and we'll have uh, chips for supper. The chips of everything we've eaten the last week. I'm kidding you. Praise God. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Somebody say tribulation. tribulation. I need to be able to defeat it. Yeah, there you go. You need to be able to defeat it. Because it will, without relenting, pursue you until you take root where it has left you. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that you warn us what is coming. We must prepare, God, our houses. We must prepare our lives. God, we must make ready for that which the enemy is planning, strategizing to release against our life. We will not lose our faith. We will not cave in. And we will not take root where tribulation has left us in the past.
we will rise up and we will move forward. And God, we will become active again. We will become obedient to your word and your way, God. And you will deliver us from our tribulation. Now, God, go with your people. Bless them. Encourage them. Keep them in all of your ways. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. See you Sunday morning.